As you can tell from the beautiful strains of Pat Benatar's version of the Holly Knight classic Invincible that's not playing underneath this now, but will be dropped in later. <laughs> this is the movie club for what film? This is the this is the movie club for the legend of Billie Jean. And I'm going to start with a question. And the question is not, is fair fair? Because <laughs> the film scientifically has demonstrated that, yes, fair is fair. That's right. Um, my question is, is Lloyd gay? That's a because very I interesting question. Because I always wanted to know. Yes. Now, what are the <laughs> signifiers to you that would point to Lloyd being gay? I feel, okay, he is um, no siblings, wealthy family, gets left at home a lot. Eccentric. Um, very eccentric, state-of-the-art technology. Yes. Always um, a sign of a gay. Always a sign for um, a flair for dramatic lighting and photography. Oh, yeah. Like, he knows how to make an entrance. <laughs> like, he's designed the entire interior of the house to, like, as just, like, you know, just hoping somebody's going to, like, sl slip in. And they do, and it's very fortunate they do, because the movie could have ended very differ differently if they'd ended up in any other house and in that neighborhood. Any other house, it would not have gone so well. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like, yeah, he wants to kiss Billie Jean, but it's like the same way that I want to kiss Parker Posey. It's like it is a full on like respect. It's not quite Yas Queen because yeah. that doesn't exist at this point, right? But it's like, like he is struck by what Billie Jean represents, yes, and who she is on her way to becoming. And it it always strikes me as like diva worship. Like it doesn't strike me as like we're young and romantic and we have a future together in the heterosexual patriarchy. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen for me. And it's like maybe that's just like something that Keith Gordon th thought to bring to it. Maybe it's just 80s clothes are such that it thwarts traditional identifiers of sexuality. But I just I've Every time I watch this, and I think this was something that I responded to before I even understood my own sexuality yeah. or a lot of the very sophisticated p political things that are happening in this film. Yeah. Like, I've always got the feeling that, like, Lloyd is definitely gay. He very well could be because there isn't a very lurid sex scene or yeah. anything do yeah. they have sex i don't think so like you see them they're they're like they're like sort of embracing in the back of a uh, of ophelia's um uh dad's car, car for yeah. the, the the trailer park and then at the golf because the, the balls are rolling around oh That's yeah a, right it's always a signifier there's there's always golf balls in the background of so many shots yeah um, which is going to eventually be yeah. the clue for peter coyote yeah, which is how coyote tracks him down but i um like you know that they kiss but it's never it's never like in that like mercenary and perverse acquisitional kind of 80s sexuality right. that 99.9% .9 of teen films have right so like i don't know you know i could be wrong i've never talked to anybody who worked on this film or made it mm -hmm. i've never talked to keith gordon i would love to talk to keith I would gordon love to about talk to keith gordon this too. and dress to kill Absolutely. i mean like like he's got in the chocolate war i mean he's got histories and stuff and mother night Yes. Which is yes. wonderful. Which he directed and he took a day part on another film uh -huh. just to get to Nick Nolte because his <laughs> agent wouldn't uh, get the script to Nick Nolte. Well, thank God that he did. I know. Um, but yeah, no, I would I would love to ask Keith Gordon about it because I just like it's something that I've always picked up on. And again, also part of the problem with being a queer viewer 
and watching films from the, I guess the eighties are the classic era of cinema. Now it's sort of grown to encompass that as well. It's just like, you have to feast on crumbs. Well, and, sure. And it feels to me like, like Lloyd has a very gay vibe. Well, the me. whole film has a very low key queer yeah, thing going on. Yeah. And maybe not even low key. It's all about the transformative power of the soft butch haircut. Yes, that's right. And it's, it, it also, it's very useful for teaching white children about the politics of hair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that, like, I mean, there's still laws on the books in so many states in the country that allow people to discriminate against natural black hairstyles. Right. So it's like, black people are aware the, yeah. of the politics of hair. And like, you know, white kids, because you grow up in privilege, you don't necessarily notice that. And this film teaches you very surely how important hair is and what it can represent. When I, every time I would watch this kid as a kid, um, whether it was on Cinemax or TBS or whatever, I would always watch it because it was one something I always wanted to catch. Yeah, and I would cut my hair. It would be a shambles. It would not be even or or striking. But there was something like the message was already getting through that you can you can change your hair and change your power. Well, absolutely, and it's all into what you relate mm-hmm. the change to. Yeah, what you see in it what it means to you. And of course, her hair change is inspired by Joan of Arc. Yes, yes. Gene Seberg as Joan of Arc. Oh, yes. Which exactly. is a particularly tragic version of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the story of Gene Seberg? Um, she was she was uh, young and wild and amazing. And she was um, she was selected by, uh, oh God, what's his name? Um, he did... Uh, Victor Maitland? No. Uh, <laughs> he directed Skidoo. Why can I not remember? Oh, Otto, Otto Preminger. She was, pre- there was a huge talent search and he was selected. She's, he selected her yeah. to play Joan and it was a disaster and it kind of torpedoed her career for a bit. Really? And then she ended up going to Europe and then she made Breathless with Godard and um, Jean-Paul Belmondo and, you know, whole different uh, like train of life. So good for her. But it's like, it was, it was, it, it was a very sad Time. It was it was meant to be a triumph, and it like totally short circuited all of their careers for a bit. Yeah. So, but it's also it's like the big dramatic Joan of Arc film of that time. Mm-hmm. You know, me, I'm always going to go back to uh, uh, Dreyer's Passion of Joan of Arc. It's silent, but it's still like like you you don't get better than Rene Maria to Falconetti mm-hmm. as as Joan. That's like one of the greatest performances of all time, and um. But it's like you understand why it's like because like one of the things about this film that I find so fascinating is that like it's very much about class. Yeah, like the Davies, the Davies and Ophelia and her family and Putter and her family. They live in the trailer park like it's they're very much at odds with like the Pyatt's and the rich kids for the whole course of the film. But um, it's very conscious that like, you know, Billie Jean latches on to the image of Joan like even after he's you know like he Lloyd gives the 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 short version of the story you know like you know she led the French army and she won and then they killed her anyway and um and and Billie Jean latches onto that because it's like it's it's a similar case of like a rural girl who yeah. like you know made considered herself, trash by the people yeah, like the Pyatt yeah who like who like organized and and triumphed and like the thing the thing about this movie i mean like and i say i keep saying that because there's so many things about this movie (laughs) that are amazing but like the thing about it that's really really historic is it's it's not even that it's like oh it's youth organization before the internet and before computers and all that is that the ultimate message of this film is that 
it's totally okay to reject fame because fame is something that every American wants from the cradle to the grave. Sure. Like every John Waters film is about that. Yeah. Um, And this film is like, she, you know, she doesn't want the fame. She, she learns how to use it and channel it into things that are helpful and redemptive and constructive rather than destructive and selfish. But also because she has no other option. Right. And that's right. An, another aspect of uh-huh. fame sometimes. There's a lot of stories of people getting out of uh, life that is not terrific because yeah. of going into a profession mm-hmm. that necessitates fame. Yeah, yeah. And it's wild. But it's like, it's it's almost, it's like... The, the 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 only thing I can compare it to the the way that the, the ending of this movie works is very similar to the Harmony Corinne's last film, The Beach Bum, mm-hmm. which literally ends with burning millions of dollars. <laughs> right. And it's just that is so counterproductive to every message that gets hammered into your head as yeah. an American. Well, it's actually difficult to watch that scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a movie and you know, it's fake, but yeah. it's still disturbing. Yeah, and it even is. Even though and you're aware so of why it's up. disturbing. Yeah. That's so fucked up that you're just like, oh, oh, I feel for this like, you know, tree byproduct. Like, I feel bad for the trees, Sure. But it's just like it's like what money represents is this. It's this unspoken aspect of like all of our art. Well, and also, it, even though it's like, oh, well, that that's terrible that we think that way about the money. You do also part of you think about like what it could do for people or what it yeah. could because yeah. money always is the answer really to most problems. Yeah, if you're mm-hmm. stuck in a situation, if and- it's if it's not the answer. It's the reinforced uh, hydrogen peroxide that will that will cleanse the wound yeah. and at least allow the healing to begin. Well, and also because in the damaged society that we live in, mm-hmm. money is the oil that lubricates all situations. Yeah, money yeah. is the thing that allows things to be possible. Even yeah. one well, another we talked on the another movie club. I don't know how close they'll come out, but anyway, uh, the Pyatts because they have money. Yeah, they they use that to um, garner more influence with the law oh, yeah. enforcement than they should have. Yeah. And then they also profit profit off of this incident that happened yeah. while still castigating Billie Jean. So yeah. I also think that the movie takes on the fame structure and also mm-hmm. crazes yeah. and how things are whipped up into a frenzy and also mm-hmm. how the radio station changes how they talk about Billie Jean. Because oh, absolutely. Now she's famous, so therefore whatever she did is fine. And really it yeah. is fine because she it was is stuck fine in because the situation. She was right. She, right, exactly. But before they even know that, yeah. it doesn't matter because she's a craze now. Uh-huh. But also it it really shows that people can get whipped into a frenzy about anything. Yes. Now this happens to be a just craze. Yes, right? it is. But the craze at some point, mm-hmm. if she didn't put the needle to the balloon, yeah. it, the pin would have hit the balloon in another way yeah. and it would have gone south. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the the whole like final act of the film, when it's like the giant confrontation on the beach and everything, you're just sort of like, this could become... This could become Pink Floyd the Wall. This could become any of the several riots in that film. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't is a testimony to like, like even after Banks gets shot um, and, you know, it's just a flesh wound uh, to Monty Python. (laughs) It's just a flesh wound. But it's like even after that, she keeps her shit together and she goes to Pyatt and she confronts him in front of witnesses and lays it all out there. Yeah. I mean, it's like it is. 
it is to to use video game parlance it's a flawless victory i mean like she handles it so beautifully and like the the one thing about it is like we don't really know Billie Jean before this. You right. Know, like, we know that she lives in the trailer park. And she takes we don't care know, like, of her brother because yeah, he's not the brightest ball. He's not. And he has no taste. Like, here's <laughs> the thing. Like, Banks, Christian Slater is precious in this film. He's a treasure. He's amazing in Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac. Yeah. He has one scene and he is devastatingly good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's just, you know, he's an, he's an endearing a uh, member of the 80s who is still with us thank god and still doing something but like in this film he's kind of he's 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 he is what we think of when we think of texas stereotypes sure like he's always like you know getting going for the gun or the toy gun and he always wants to have a chase and he always wants to do something dramatic and crazy and he's always looking for the he fake always, credit for the robberies and yeah. things that they didn't do he always wants to butch and sundance it yeah and it's just like and there's something about like billy jean and um ophelia being sort of the like measured voices of reason because putter is very much like banks yes yardley lisa simpson smith um is delightful in this we're gonna um, be on tv yeah it's I, I i love the things that are on the tv um she's she's great um, which again points to the very dark mm-hmm. view of people's worship yeah. of television of and the, what the information that they're taking in and then putting out into the world. And how they even comprehend uh, it. Because if it's yeah. on TV, then it's okay, then it's good. Yeah. And that's what, and that's the thing is like how the experience of being part of Billie Jean's gang changes all of them is that Putter gets perspective. Yes. Like she realizes there is more beyond what I'm seeing on TV. There's more beyond this, this shitty life that I have with my abusive mom who looks just like Kim Davis from Kentucky. Do you remember when she yes. was infamous for like refusing to do gay marriage certificates? Yeah. Like they had pictures of her on the news and I was just like, oh my God, it's Putter's mom from Legend <laughs> of Billie Jane. In more ways than one because yeah. that miserable, yeah. just oppressive yeah. figure. Like, I mean, when she smacks Putter, which we yeah. never see before we hear it, yeah. which is awful anyway. Yeah. But then when we see her do it, uh-huh. it's just hor- horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And like she pulls a, a scissors on her and you're just like, Oh, is is Lisa Simpson gonna murder her mom? <laughs> and he's like, no, this is a PG thirteen movie. They they say fuck twice, but they still kept their PG thirteen, which yeah. is good. Um, but like, and she cuts her hair because she's just like, you know, I'm rejecting everything that you raised me with, you know, because there's more to it. And that's why, like, the scene where the kids find Billy Jean and are just like, can you help our friend Kenny? Yes, like his he's living in an abusive home, and she like. She's you can tell that she is like trying to figure this out as she's doing it. It's like yeah. it's an incredible performance from Helen Slater. It is an incredible she's performance. So she's wonderful. Good. Every yeah. point in this film, she is totally relatable and like like the accent's a little shaky sometimes, but, who cares? but I'm okay with that. I'm all right I'm with okay. that too. And yeah. because it's about the tone of the performance. Yeah. And, she's and you just, can see her realizing all these things in almost mm-hmm. real time, as at yeah. least in terms of the character and she's as we're seeing so it play good. out. She's so good in it. And also the really horrifying sequence upstairs at the Pyatt's. Yeah. Yeah. That is just so grisly and so freaky. Yeah. And she doesn't even tell Binks what happened. Really, yeah. Because she kind of knows that Binks will because go off. Because he knows that he'll go off because she she knows how like the patriarchal structure of things are. And, and that's that's the yeah. thing that distinguishes her from Binks more is like she knows how the world works. And um, it's like th- she's in these situations where it's like 
every step of the way, she is doing the right thing as best she can. Yeah. And it's just fortunate that that proves popular. Right. Um, and the, 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 um, also as I mentioned her briefly, Martha Gaiman as Ophelia, she is the comic secret weapon of this film. Mm -hmm. She has so few lines compared to the other kids, but she is so funny in this. Like, I mean, just like, and just, devastating comic timing and it's like i wish i saw her in more stuff but just just the way that she responds to that news broadcast about late model i wish i mean it's just <laughs> like, it's great she has the, she has a sort of pragmatism that it's like it's not the like fatalist stuff that billy jean is very much aware of but it's it's definitely more aware than putters like media focused stuff or banks who's just grown up on like certain recursive toxic images like yeah. ophelia i think i feel like is like honest to God, and I asked. I said when when we decided to do this, like your homework is which member of the gang are you? And I am totally an Ophelia. Uh -huh. Like I wish I could be a Billy Jean, but I'm not. I'm not as confrontational as you have to be to make a difference in the world. I wish I was. I'd love to be Billy Jean as well, but I might be more Lloyd. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, you. I mean, you've got the <laughs> you and you and and Lloyd could talk tech. Like well, would, yeah. When also like, the, Lloyd would absolutely be a podcaster today. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He would be. And also when he's like, here, mm -hmm. take your message to the yes television. Yes. And also the use of the tools of the oppressive society against uh -huh. it. Yeah. Is the other great message, one of the many great messages yeah. in this, because you can it look. You see TikTok. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's and it's like it's it's people well like the most triumphant moment in the whole thing is like I mean and there are several there are several moments in this film that are genuinely triumphant several of them involve kicking a bad guy in the nuts and I'm sure great that is an 80s trend that I'm fine with well like, it's also a nice symbol if you want to look yeah. at symbolism toxic authority kick him in the nuts yeah I'm fine with that uh, fair is fair. But the most triumphant thing is when they're all split up and they're all like, like Ophelia and Putter are back in like the regular world and like Binks and Billie Jean are like split up. And then they're brought to this place where it's just like, it's like this amazing Mad Max underground chamber <laughs> of yeah. kids and all of them, like, you know, white, black, Puerto Rican, um, like the, you know, everybody's got their hair in the Billie Jean Cut. and yeah. male or female they're all like part of this and right. they're just like you know you you have helped make a difference now we don't know if it lasts we don't know what happens after the time space of this film because she rejects fame and she and Binks go to Vermont right um which is just like without uh, Lloyd by the way yeah yeah well cuz i mean like Lloyd's dad wants to be a senator and all that sure but i did expect to see him there yeah. now that may be just because of every other movie trope yeah but i was interested to see that yeah. He was not there. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it wasn't a romantic thing for them, but I have no doubt. I mean, like, Lloyd's family has got enough money that, like, like his first his first year in college, I guarantee you he does not go home to Texas for Christmas. He goes to Vermont to just, like, hang out with Billie Jean and Banks for a couple sure. days. And his dad is an interesting character. Dean of course, Stockwell. Stock yeah, Dean Stockwell's Dean Stockwell, wonderful. yeah. He's wonderful because the slipperiness of the guy, yeah. because he's one kind of way at uh -huh. first, and a what he says is basically he admires their media savvy. Yeah, yeah. And that like, trumps and, all. And he's also proud because he knows that his son is responsible for that. That is is for is for part of that because he's just like, well, you never know what that boy'll do. And in this instance, he's like helping reshape 
like the the entire dynamic of this like crime situation. Yeah. But then Pyatt is just like, you know, I've got the money. You better the do what I say. Are, the voters are like me if yeah. you want to be state district attorney. Yeah. And it's just like, and you're right. And it you sense the change in him then. You do. It's just, and it's so, it's so sad. I mean, it's like, it also... Um, sad, but indicative of how yeah. most politicians are. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, well, that's that's a, a, a trick or treat, which we saw at the at the new Bev has that amazing scene of Sammy Kerr, uh, like chroma keyed into like uh, congressional hearings. Oh yeah, and the yeah. politicians are just like, "Do you want your children to live around rock stars?" And he's just like, "I don't want my kids to live around politicians." And I was just like, <laughs> "This is Satan worshiping, yeah, a rock star who, yeah, uh, does some kind of who has ritual. a very elaborate plan to get back at authority." So you know, yeah. respect. Respect. It's very much like Lords of Salem in that it's surprisingly intricate and depends on like vinyl pressing situations, but ultimately proves fairly successful in getting their point out to the rest of the world. Yeah, his uh, plan worked for that release. Yes. For Songs in the Key of Death. For Songs in the Key of Death, (laughs) but yeah. And speaking of music, of course, Uh the soundtrack. Can I just say... Any movie that starts out with a divinal song, yeah, especially fucking Boys in Town, that like that song is like a firecracker in your heart, and it just like kicks up, like you know, it's just opening. It's just like you've got the synth drones, and then Binks opening up the garage and taking out the bike, and then the radio station kicks in with that song, and it is just like my. God, Christina Amphlett is just one of the greatest rock vocalists of like the 80s and 90s. And just that song, it's like so tense. And, yeah. and it's it's from a fi- an Australian film originally that she acted oh, Monkey in Grip. called Monkey Grip. Yeah. I've never and, seen it. I want to. But it has the best bridge because um, it starts out with just the too much, too young. Yeah. Too much too young. And then she's just um yeah, and it just that the bridge of that song is so it's great. It's like less than three minutes long and it ro- it will rock your face off in the best possible way. And this movie is just like, yeah, we're gonna start with that. Yeah, we've got Billy Idol's Rebel Yell. That'll pop up later. That'll come with- in later in a slightly pitch shifted yeah, version. It's yeah. sped up. Mm-hmm. And this is another film that when the credits rolled, I think I forgot that Mike produced this, but Mike Chapman, mm-hmm. of course, produced Invincible. Yeah. And it was written by Holly Knight. Uh, and Simon Climey from That's Climey right. Fisher. Exactly. His, and it also like the, I'm old enough that I remember Climey Fisher had a song called Love Changes Everything. It's very good. All of the remixes are great. There was a great Baltimore Club remix in the early aughts that like, amazing breakbeats. I'll send that to you. It's really good. Um, and then he uh, he did a second album just as a Simon Climey solo album before he ended up writing for Kylie Minogue and with Kathy Dennis and all that. Mm-hmm. But there's a song on it called Does Your Heart Still Break? That is... It is one of those like gems that got away. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're making like a Spotify playlist for somebody that like uh, that you love or you want to love, get that song on there. You can't go wrong with Simon Climey. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> and and Invincible is just when the when I saw Pat Benatar in concert at the Wild Horse Saloon in Nashville. Yeah. Like first thing, Pat sounds better live now than she did on her records in the eighties. And that's not how that's supposed to work. No, it's not. But she sounds incredible. And she introduced Invincible. She said like, this is a song that is very dear to me from one of the worst movies ever made. And I was just like, Oh no, no, you did not miss Pat Benatar because like, I love her stuff. Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to get controversial here. I'm going to say that Pat's version of Wuthering Heights is better than Kate Bush's, who wow. wrote it. That's and it's, quite a it's literally, there's one note difference. 
And that note makes such a difference because Kate's version is from the point of view of a girl and Pat's version is from the point of view of a woman. And it's literally just the second syllable of the name Kathy. Like Kate drops it and Pat goes up the octave into that operatic register that she does. Mm -hmm. And it is unreal. And like, so look, I love Pat Benatar, love Pat Benatar, but I would advise her as her emotional attorney to <laughs> give the film another watch. It's out on Blu-ray. It's readily available. What? It's, watch it again because like it's really, really meaningful. And the song is very much part of it. Like I remember oh, absolutely. ads yeah. on TV and the trailers featured it prominently because yeah. the song was a massive hit. Yeah. Um, and it's got that great, like weird talking heads uh guitar solo in the mm -hmm. in the middle eight that you're you're just like, where did that come from? But I I dig it. I dig it. And um like that song again, like the Divinals, Boys in Town, and Chapman Invincible. produced the Divinals. I don't know yeah. if he produced those. He didn't songs. produce that one. He produced their album Temperamental in ah. 1988, which is flawless. It's mm -hmm. got their version of Hey Little Boy. It's got uh, Punksy. It's got Runaway Train. It has Back to the Wall, which was like the which was a minor like college radio hit, and is also featured in Elm Street Four. Oh, because that was another movie that had an, a Chrysalis soundtrack. Right. Like Chrysalis did good. 80s movie soundtrack sure like some labels it was very just like just throw it at the wall and whatever sticks like chrysalis like a uh, summer school is the same way chrysalis did that was always a chrysalis soundtrack yeah. oh, they wow. always did good with their soundtracks well, of course mind over matter can't get better than that oh, i no, i um the, the when i when i went uh record listening with with michael J. I i got him i took my sleeve for Mind Over Matter and had him sign it because he wrote it. Oh, amazing. And yeah. um, and he's like, he 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 dished some dirt. Um, was just like cause because the whole thing, because Debbie Harry recorded it originally with Stock Aiton and Waterman, and then uh because she was signed to Geffen in the US, they couldn't use it here. So uh E. G. Daly, uh Warhorse, disco icon, voiceover sign of all good cartoons. Uh, Babe Pig in the City. Um, yeah. Uh, E.G. Daly. Rugrats. Um, and... uh, Lana in Bad Dreams. Like, look, I this is not an E.G. Daly podcast. No. But I adore her. And she came in and sang it. And it was like, you know, it's Stock Aitken Waterman. But what, what he told me that I never realized is that um, they, they took Debbie's leads off, but Debbie's backing vocals are on the released oh, version. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you listen to it and listen close, you, you can, can hear, hear it. Yeah. And like Debbie and EG's voices work really well together. Yeah, they do. Because they have a different timbre to them. And it's like, so yeah, next time you listen to Mind Over Matter by EG Daily, um, no. And, and that's also why it's not on Spotify is because oh. it's controlled by Chrysalis for the UK and then in, in America, the 7-inch was on Chrysalis, and it was on the soundtrack album, but the 12-inch was on A&M, because that was EG's label. Right. So that's why yeah. they haven't been able to get it straightened out. It's a shame Spotify. the 12-inch version's the best version as well. It is. If you ever get a chance to talk to a songwriter about, like, if you have, like, weird music questions, if you can talk to someone who actually wrote it, they will give you the answers, and it's awesome. Oh, they'll tell you all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Mike tells me stuff that's off the record sometimes. Uh -huh. It blows my mind. Yeah. But back to the movie, yeah. the radio plays such an important part. Yeah, yeah, because and it keeps evolving. Like, you know, because it starts out, it's very neutral. It's like the Greek chorus of the thing. And gets us familiar with it. Yeah. Like, this is an omnipresent the, voice. The Texas Riviera of Corpus Christi. Yeah. Um, and it's like, as as the film progresses, like, they become part of the story because it's it's the primary means of disseminating information. Exactly. Like, we see TV news broadcasts in several scenes, and it's there's some great stuff where they interview, like, 
like local kids and teens and stuff and um and also people who lie about being attacked by villagers right because yeah. this is the other thing the movie has a very dark view of society in general yeah. because they show people taking advantage of yeah. these situations like exploiting everyone exploiting it, yeah. everything right yeah. and uh Pyatt exploiting the yeah. thing and acting like he's still wounded you know that his arm is fine at that yeah. point oh yeah. yeah and he's just wearing it because we see him without it yeah he's not wearing it at the mall he just puts it on in public space yeah it's yeah. part of his it's... costume for the cell yeah also excellent mall chase fabulous mall that's chase. something you don't get in movies anymore but it's like and it's like it's like a a an aztec style waterfall in between a parallel um it's very fritz long metropolis very like ziggurat architecture mm -hmm. and they have a chase through it and it's just awesome and also the marble gag yeah is yeah. great because it all they, it sets it up really well because you see putter getting all her marbles before she leaves the trailer um and then you the the golf balls in the back of the uh um, the 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 pickup truck. All of those setups are so subtly done. Yeah, you're not paying attention to them. You're just seeing them and thinking this is part of their behavior. Yeah, and then when they play a role later on, it works even better because you remember it and you go, "Oh right, those things." Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's just you know, it's a basic of any script class, but it's just like when you see it and it works. Well, but it's also like when it's done well, mm -hmm. it's really wonderful. Like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The stuff with the dog food cans. Yeah. It just oh, yeah. seems like a moment that we're seeing Brad Pitt's character mm -hmm. living his life. But it's setting up the whole thing with the dog and the can. And yeah. also, because the can plays a part in it. Too, well, yeah. For anyone yeah. Who seen I don't want to spoil it, but. Laying it out. So you, it's, it's the kind of thing that rewards repeat viewings. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, there's that, um, there's that great moment um, before everything goes down when they like go by the Sonic and stuff yeah and, and, and that's amazing to me that sonic is still around yeah like i don't know i don't know how much of their profile nationwide is but like in and the i think Southeast, they're not out of vanilla as much as they were yeah around the time yeah but it's they like, shot this because like the, the whole thing like binks don't you ever get tired of vanilla it's like he's set in his ways he just likes what he likes yeah and it's like he, he learns to adapt um poorly because sometimes. he has to yeah. but it's like but at the very end, when they're in Vermont, you see him like gazing on that snowmobile with lust. And it's just like, you didn't learn a goddamn thing. No. And also he's like, it's really cold. Yeah. Like that part never clicked in for him about Vermont. Yeah. And she told him, she just like, it snows all the time and stuff, but it's just like. Well, that represents escape to him. Yes. And that's it. it. Is, that's it's all the that opposite matters. of Texas. Yeah. It is the opposite of Texas for sure. And that's and and that's the key is like so many of these things are about like like finding the opposite of what you see like there's no doubt in my mind like I don't I don't know where Ophelia's story would end up but I know for a fact that Putter as soon as she is done is going to be out of there and she'll never go back to Texas again yeah and um and I I like that I can't think of a single other film in which a young woman's first period is treated as something joyful and to be celebrated. Absolutely. I applauded That's when I watched incredible. it. That's yeah. incredible. Like, it's just, it's, it's, because like, because like things like, ew, gross. And, and Billie Jean is just like, no, it is wonderful. And it's just, it's great. It's like, um, it's, it's, it's just such a subtle touch. But like, but when you, when you, like, I talk to other women critics and I'm just like, what do you think about that scene? And yeah. like every one of them is just like, why can't more movies do that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just like, like the, the vast majority of eighties teen films are about normalizing every aspect of male development. You can think of. absolutely every, every depraved 
nook and cranny you can think of. Well, the peeping through the shower, yeah, all that yeah. stuff is just like a regular thing to the point yeah. that you don't even notice it when you're in yeah. the 80s. Which like, is, oh, they're doing that gag again. Which is nice when that gets reversed in uh, Gimme an F. Yes. Very where wonderful they, film I'll share with everyone where on they the page. Have, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's great. Um, if Hey, if you're listening to this and you know somewhere that the uh, Bobby Kimball's recording of... Uh, um, oh God, what is that song? Uh, um, Should we I'm, Google? Yeah, it's... it's um, Fly like an eagle. You know the song. It's there's a big climactic like um like gymnastics in tidy whities sequence. Yeah. So for those listening who state of my heart, state okay, of my heart. So the link will be up when I post this because I have it up on my private Vimeo. I like to send it to people, and it's kind of a hard film to track down. It's very hard to track down. Yeah. Like the only time it gets any play is like on the Fox Movie Channel. That's right, and that's where my rip is from. And yeah. thank God that there's a digital rip. Yeah. At least because it. it's never been released on a DVD or Blu-ray. Like it's essentially the gone. Yeah. 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 And it's um, but it's wild. It's a, it's it's a special kind of sex comedy. It would be nice if Arrow or one of those yeah. shout. I'm sure they're aware of it. I'm sure, th- like, th- pretty much, like, the the reaches of the 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 really good um boutique labels like Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome and yeah. Agfa and Severin, like they're good people and they're they're doing the work. And someday somebody is going to find a scope print of Obsession, A Taste for Fear, and then I'm going to level up. Like the time when Tilda Swinton touched my arm yeah. and I like leveled up, That I've been waiting. What's the next thing I'm going to level? When they finally get a scope print of um, Obsession, A Taste for Fear, that's when I can like ascend to another level because that movie, whoo. Um, it's yeah, a humdinger. It is a humdinger. But give me an F mm-hmm. uh, to round out the chat about that. It's basically about a cheerleading camp. Yeah. And subterfuge, mm-hmm. a little bit of S and M, yep, and humor that is this side of the John Waters absurdist, yes, take on screen uh, on uh, an eighties teen film. Yeah, it's in no way similar to Revenge of the Nerds or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, it's because you might think cheerleader camp sounds like oh it's going to be a bunch of naked yeah. girls it's not it's not it's very it's, much about the guys it's about it's about a bunch of fuzzy dudes trying to follow their dreams which is a subgenre i am very much pro and um <laughs> absolutely but yeah and the, the the big centerpiece sequence is uh is uh bobby kimball formerly of toto uh singing this amazing song stadium Art, disco rock like and he's he's just in a pair of tidy whiteies doing this incredibly intricate like trapeze and gymnastics routine. And let me just add uh, to clarify to anyone listening, it's not actually Bobby Kimball no. in tidy whiteies, which might be off-putting. Yeah, to no, anyone who has not seen the film, he's yeah, singing. he's singing it, which is a wonderful thing. That's what he should stick to. Yeah, uh, yeah. the actor I can't remember the, his yeah. his name and give me an F. He could get it. I don't yeah, remember his he, name. Nobody but he could he get, get it, it for sure. Um, uh, and it's a good old time. So yeah, no, it'd be it's fun it's, to do a movie club on that. Maybe. Yeah, sometime. yeah, it's definitely worth worth checking out like it's like if somebody is is just like hey we should watch gimme an f then they're probably like worth listening to on that front but uh but b- back to billy jean um the uh <laughs> <laughs> the cinematography as when yeah uh, jeffrey kimball who shot this um i'll tell you someone who saw this movie and loved it enough to hire jeffrey kimball for his next few films tony scott Oh, wow. Because he went straight from this to Top Gun. Really? And then he did Revenge. He did several Tony Scott films. Um, he did one of the Star later Star Trek sequels. But it's like, 
Like that's the, this film impressed. It's, it's great colors, great teals and neons, and a lot of pinks and smoky diffusion floating in from yeah. the background. Even at I think if not the police station, mm-hmm. there's like I love a thing that happens in certain eighties movies where they're mm-hmm. entering into a room and in the background of the room that they've come from, uh-huh. it's pink lighting. Yeah, and there's no logical sense for yeah. that, but it's yeah. a mood, it's a vibe, and it's that's what's very giallo. It's yes, very it's extremely because like, later there's the the greens and blues, yeah, heavy greens and blues, and then like a magenta, yeah. thing going on. Basically, the cover of the Blu-ray or the poster mm-hmm. shows you all the main colors of the film. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 visually striking, and also if you're like, well, I mean, again, I'm talking hypothetically into the future. Hopefully, like when we're able to have parties again and stuff. If you're looking for ideas for an 80s costume for like oh, a party yeah. or something like the the your two best places to start are uh Legend of Billie Jean and Liquid Sky. Between the two of them you will find yes. a look. Yes, you will. Sometimes several of them. Absolutely. Liquid Sky another beautiful film. Yes. Uh, yes. In the other, well, we talked about the hair, but also uh-huh. her semi-militaristic outfit that she puts together for the first video yeah. is significant as well. Yeah. And that speaks again to the power of mm-hmm. transforming yourself with clothing yeah. and with your posture and your presentation. Yeah. Because even the way she walks is different after she mm-hmm. has the the transformation, which yeah. is internal when she's watching Joe Navarro and processing everything that's going yeah. on. Well, and and something else you notice is that in the in the first part of the film before she gets her, she has very long hair and she instinctively wears it like so that it covers her breasts. Like she is aware again, she's aware of how the world works. She's aware of like the pernicious gaze of the outside world. And she is she is adapted to like do this. And like I find that like when she cuts her hair, one of the things she does, she's just like, I'm not hiding this aspect of myself anymore. Right. But I'm also not wearing the clothes that were deemed acceptable for that before yeah like i would love i would love for um uh for um uh nbn trans listeners to um if they had have experiences with the way that this film treats changing looks Mm. and identities what their thoughts on that are because like to me it was and you know, and I was just like a little cis gay boy. So like this just I mean, this movie kicked my emotional ass. Sure. So I can't imagine what it would be like for someone who is who is just like trying to like like re- refine and settle their own identity. Because right. this is it it does so much for just like, you know, like listening to yourself about what's right. Yeah. And not to like the voices of your parents or the cops or like the media. And um, so, yeah, I, I, this is absolutely um, a film that I would love to, like, put together a panel discussion because yeah. it's like, I mean, it's great. It's just like when when was the last time you saw a film about, like, poor kids in Texas and it wasn't making fun of them? Oh, absolutely. There was a time and um, uh, my, my, my friend Rob was pointing this out and he was he was just like there was a time when we instinctively understood that the rich Aryan people were the villains. Right. Like it didn't have to be spelled out. It didn't have to be justified by them like kicking a dog or like engaging in like subterfuge. Like we knew going in that the default position was that they were the bad guys. And it seems like like lately we've gotten away from that. Although what about succession? I haven't seen it, but isn't that sort of about I haven't watched it. I mean there there are people on it that I like and I, I trust 
the tastes of the masses, but I'm also very particular about TV mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, so much of my time I spend watching films that sure. I have to review. Um, so, like, generally I'll stick with the TV show and, like, work through it. And then when it's done with that season, I'll switch to something else. Right. Um, but, like, Succession is so, like, widely known and talked about that I just have to wait until it's done and people aren't talking about it anymore. And then I can go back and... Like, I mean, I still got to I still got to do season 10 of Letterkenny because that's where my love is and my heart is. Um, but, you know, it's 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 crazy. It's almost February. Like, oh, I know. It just seemed like January just went real quick. Very fast. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. My birthday's coming up. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and thank you for the love the gifts you gave me, by the way. Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm the thing is, is that like being in Nashville I'm so isolated from my non-Nashville friends that, like, I'm always constantly just, like, mentally shopping for others. Well, you're a very thoughtful person. Oh, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I do. I do put a lot of thought into things. Um, my uh, my my friends, the critics, uh, Dave White and Alonzo Duralde, I, I went by to see them uh, before we started recording today. And I had... Um, I'd had a witch artist friend of mine create a totem to defend against the daytime killer. This is <laughs> one of Dave's things. He's always just like, you always have to lock the door during the day because otherwise you're inviting the wrath of the daytime killer. Yeah. And so I just, I, I told my friend uh, Jessica, I was just like, okay, when you're putting this together, I want it to be like bright and let anyone who sees it know that this is a totem of defense, but also specifically against the daytime killer. And she said, the what? I said, the daytime killer. It's a killer, but they come during the day. And they, because people leave their doors unlocked during the day because they think that, you know, light makes it safer. Yeah. And she's like, this is very weird. And I'm like, can you do it? And she's like, yeah. So I gave them a totem uh, against the daytime killer. And that was, you know, that's. Yeah, I'm listening. Like, if if you're a friend of mine, yeah, I'm you, listening you to are. whatever you're saying, and I'm making mental notes. Yeah, you're well. You're a very comprehensive <laughs> mental note taker on your friends and their likes and their interests, which is a very yeah. lovely thing. Now, when we go back to the earlier part of the movie, mm-hmm. when we see their home life, mm-hmm. it's very depressing. Yeah, mainly because. Binks has had something very bad done to him. It's yeah. completely unjust. Yeah. And the mother says, well, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah. You can't, you basically, you can't win, but you're stupid to think you can. Yeah. And you're almost uh, arrogant to think that it yeah. could go any other way, which speaks to her buying into the whole thing that the people with money oh, yeah. are somehow superior. She has, she has absolutely bought into um, the, the way things are. And that that can't be changed. And her way out that she sees for herself, not even for her kids, is like dating that like gross dude. And like, like literally we only see him once in Billie Jean's like, oh, he's a winner. (laughs) And it's like she's trying to be supportive because she loves her mom. But at the same time, it's like at no point when they're on the run, are they like, maybe we should talk to mom about this. It's like, we're on the run and she's just going to have to deal with this. No, why talk to mom? Yeah. She's got no good suggestions. Yeah. And she's also, we don't want to get her caught up in this either. It's like, it's very weird. It's like, it's, it's like what Billie Jean has to do is not just take responsibility for herself and her brother and her survival and, and her own survival. But it's just like, she has to insulate everyone who's part of her life against like backlash from the public which is a metaphor right for all the women's work yeah the women do all the emotional labor pretty much yeah the largest portion of it and they're generally the ones who if not have to are the ones aware of Mm -hmm. what could potentially happen to other people if this happens if that happens yeah 
It's it's I mean it's staggering. It's it's such a great performance. And um it 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 bothers me that she doesn't get as much respect for it as she absolutely deserves. Um Is there any other film of hers that you love? I mean Supergirl I, is obviously I, I, great. I, I love Supergirl. I love Ruthless People. Oh, me too. She's so She's wonderful good in on that. that. Yeah. She's so good in that. She's so sweet and kind. And just the just the scene where she and Bette Midler are slowly becoming friends. And it's very like at first it's very confrontational. And it's like because like in Billie Jean and Supergirl, she like finds her inner like steely spine. And in Ruthless People, she's sweet and kind and unassuming. And she is so funny in that movie. She is. It's like it plays beautifully off of Judge Reinhold and Bette Midler, which yeah. is like that's a that's a really interesting comedic place to have to be in. <laughs> and she does it. She like she does the work on that. No, I haven't heard the full commentary, but I read some selected highlights from the commentary, which is mm-hmm. on the Blu-ray. Oh, it's great. It's great. I it's can't on wait the, to get it. Yeah, it's yeah. on the DVD too. But yeah, if you get the Blu-ray of this, and you should, because it's 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 on Mill Creek. It's on like one of the like bargain labels. It's like seven dollars on yeah. Amazon right now. And it's great. It's absolutely wonderful. And there's a commentary with Helen Slater and Yardley Smith. You know, I might actually have the commentary because I have a clone of the DVD. Mm-hmm. I ripped it years ago and uh. then promptly didn't watch it because I'd seen I thought I'd seen I don't know when I saw it first. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Well, I, I grew up with this film. Yeah. This was, this was the, the, like, I wanted to see it in theaters, but it was 85. So I was 10. And it didn't play that long. Yeah. Either. It didn't play very long. It didn't do very well. But like, my mom was just like, I don't know about a PG 13 film. And this is like, you know what? Look, I love my mom, but like not letting me go see Billie Jean in the theater. That's one thing. And the other thing that I just have never been able to let go of is not letting me go see Depeche Mode at Starwood Amphitheater in 1988 on the tour for the masses. OMD was opening OMD and Depeche Mode. And let me just tell you this. (laughs) um, And this is just advice. And I think as a society, we know this now, but like, she's just like, I don't, that's not a safe crowd for you to be around. And so I'm just like, there is no safer place for your little your little gay son yeah. than a synth pop show. Absolutely. Like there's like and uh, especially for like I mean and and especially for young women synth pop shows. I mean like the if you've never seen anyone happier than women waiting in line for the restroom at a pet shop boys show <laughs> because there's never a line in the ladies oh, room sure. and they're just like this is this is justified and right you'll pretty much find that at a rush concert too by the way incidentally <laughs> just to let you know i think i did use the women's room at a rush concert because the line was wrapped around uh-huh. the wall and i went uh, no one's gonna walk in and be horrified if i'm walking out because there's no women here yeah yeah well there's I, like two i've and, never you know I've, yeah. I, I've never seen Russian concert, but I've seen Pet Shop Boys five times. Wow. And it's like, it's like every time you just, it's, it's just great. Cause like it's the ladies room is like, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of the burdens that society puts on women. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, there's there, the, you know, there's extra steps and processes and things <laughs> and stuff. Well, it's like with the whole, like the, the, um, not gold star. That's a different phenomenon entirely. But the the real ID thing. Which, oh yeah. That you had to do that. Like when I went in to get mine, I went the first day I could, and and then the state of Tennessee, and I had all my documents and everything. And it was a pain in the ass, and it was sweaty because they couldn't make that air conditioning work because, you know, that's whatever. But like I got mine. In fact, but like the the people right behind me was a married couple. He was an ex cop, and she, you know, they had been married like fifty years and stuff. But like to get the real ID thing. 
if your name is in any way different from your birth certificate, you have to have documentation for that. So like this woman was not able to get hers because she didn't bring the marriage license from uh. 50 years ago. And I'm just like, the men would not stand for that. Right. Well, you know, there's also crazy things about pe- women trying to get a loan. Yeah. And related matters. Even, I think, getting their tubes tied. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they, you ha- they, they, they have to have their husband's permission. Yeah. Which is insanity. Yeah. It's crazy. I a mean, friend of mine was talking about that. And I said, do you want me to pretend to be your husband to go in? Uh-huh. Uh, not that we... Uh, condone this but if that's the deal and you want to get yeah. your tubes tied i'm happy to pretend like that that's the, the unjust laws like that can i mean and i'm sorry just like the way the the legal hurdles that get set up for the that the trans community has to deal with are yeah. some bullshit absolutely and i just i'm i'm just like the like anytime someone tries to weaponize bureaucracy like that's real gross that's like that like whoever raised you to feel that that is a suitable way to behave that's they should be ashamed of themselves as well um well and the movie has a lot to say about that too because Things are not just stacked against them, but everything favors the piots. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the people who have money, because anyone, people who have money or fame mm-hmm. are given extra consideration, yeah, yeah. and you're allowed You get extra tries. Yeah. Even Billie Jean, who's on the right side of things, it's because mm-hmm. of the fame yeah. that she's allowed to do things. And then mm-hmm. those women later on, I think, where it's a married couple, rather, who are like, I don't even know what you're all about, but I love you. Yeah. And that's that funny thing. Uh, which, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, but back to the the commentary thing. Mm-hmm. Helen Slater is asked, I think by Yardley Smith, if she felt that she was being objectified mm-hmm. or exploited in the early scenes where she's going swimming mm-hmm. because so much of her body yeah. is revealed. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, uh, honestly, I'll never look that good again. And I'm happy that it's in the film. And mm-hmm. there's such a gorgeous shot when they're laying on that raft. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a, a mirror thing. Yeah. They're laid opposite ends, and mm-hmm. it's almost like they're the same person. Yeah. Or in just different bodies. It's uh, the emotion- or, or the same bodies. Go ahead. It's the emotional and thematic inverse of the, the raft in Creepshow 2. Yes, it is. Very much so. Uh-huh. But then later, Binks is in drag, and yes. people think it's her. Yeah. And I think that there's a subtle messaging in there as yeah. well. They have well. They have that. They have that. Like um, that. Like they're they're siblings and they're close enough. In, they're not twins, but they're 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 close enough in age and that they they look well, especially with his hair bleached like that. Yeah. Um, Very subtle bleach job. Yeah. They, <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. Um, but it's like, but yeah, there's there's this. You you buy them as siblings and well, not do. just because they have the same last name in real life. Right. Exactly. No, but. They they look physically similar enough, and I yeah. think that that's like a very subtle thing that's yeah. deliberately put in there mm-hmm. for that. She's a she's a, she's a bit taller though, and they uh, play more with appearance and how it changes everything about your presentation and oh, how people yeah. receive you. Because in the scene when Binks is in drag, she's wearing that hippie wig, yeah, and, and no one's paying attention. She just appears into the crowd. Because it's not it's not who you are. It's, not it's the what icon. you what you signify. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's wild. I feel like there's like a whole grad school dissertation in that last scene when all of the kids like like take off their Billie Jean shirts and start burning their posters and things. Because it's like, um, and it's great because that's going up in flames. As is the money, and 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 Billie Jean walks away from all of it. And that's that's a that's a that is a profound statement of principles because that is just not a message you get very often in american cinema no you don't 
Mostly it's you found something good that can make you some money. Stick with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like ride it until you can't anymore and then find something new. Um, the uh, one th- one problem that I have with this, and it's like they, they it's it's not dwelled on, mm-hmm. but it um, but it's just one of those things because like when when they go on the road and they get the, the they've got Lloyd with them as the quote unquote hostage, and like Dean Stockwell says, you know, like please make sure my son takes his pills, and Lloyd's like I've I haven't taken them since we left, and I feel great, and I'm just like oh that's dangerous. I have a huge problem with that too. Yeah, that's that's such a like a, like granted it was 1985, but still. That is like that is like something that gets put forward a lot and just like, oh, I'm 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 realizing I'm doing much better without my meds. And I'm just like, oh, you know, that's not your call to make. It is everyone around you's call to make because they're more aware of who you are compared to who you normally are than than you are. And that's like that's that's my one problematic issue with this film yeah like pretty much like everything the upless else society is... thing and every other aspect is yeah. great but when it gets into like the tinfoil hat type yeah. of uh, yeah. assertion that well you don't need the pills because you're having a wonderful time and yeah. doing you know and you're doing the right thing and it's it's honestly it's such an offhanded thing that they and they don't dwell on it it's literally it like been cut one out. line yeah it could have easily been cut out the only thing that that line serves to show is the care the father has yeah and they could have just left it he could have been like oh i have my pills that's yeah. nice to know that he cares. Yeah. And also like we have no like I mean I don't I don't even know what kind of medication he would have been on in 1985. I thought they said it was for asthma. Because he has asthma. Yeah, he does. He he's got an inhaler. He's got an inhaler. So, yeah. But it said something about Wait, I mean, I, this is why I usually like to pull clips ahead of time, but hey. Yeah. You know, we do things the way that we can do them. Yeah. Um so I'll play the clip and we'll see if we're even right about that, but I'll put it in later. Uh-huh. The I'm pretty sure it's his asthma medication, but then again, I don't know what pills you would take for asthma. Yeah, yeah. Like my brother's asthmatic. I don't remember him taking pills for it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's a psychoactive medication, in which case it's even worse that they had that line in there. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there, yeah, there's, um, which uh, could speak to like, oh, I'm embracing my mania, and it's just great. Uh, two, two other things, real quick, while you're searching for that. Um, one of the other things about Lloyd, um, that, uh. The Dean Stockwell says there's no telling what that boy might do, and like we're, he knows Lloyd is gay. Um, and here are other <laughs> here are other signs because you asked me earlier. You asked me yeah. earlier, and it's like, all right, who else wears gray sweatpants to be videoed? That's something Lloyd does. That is something very gay. He's the president of the drama club. Oh, right. and he's got straight A's in school. Okay, and that's that. That is that is canonically like that is something that they say. <laughs> That like as they're as they're reading the newspaper article about Lloyd and Putter is just like going through all of this and Lloyd is just like cringing and like he's cringing so hard he's collapsing into a supernova. But um the, the the other thing real quick and this is this was something that's really interesting. But just talking about Billie Jean being aware of how the world works. Yeah. When she um starts couching her message to the public. Yeah. Um. She, when she's talking about the Pyatt's, he's just like, you know, and they you take their word over ours because we're kids. She doesn't say because we're poor because it's 1985. It is Reagan era America. Yes. And no one, doesn't matter how empathetic or like good, well-meaning that you are, everyone in America in the 80s worships would never money. would never equate themselves with the poor no no and billy jean understands that she says you can't appeal to people well, that way because also that would make her message uh one of like well 
she knows people it would want, make the rich kids nervous yeah well it also wouldn't make her sympathetic because yeah. even people who don't do that well financially do not like when people bring about the real actual thing yeah. of economic suffering there is something in our culture where people get rigid uh, their eyes glaze over and they can't handle the idea that there yeah. is income disparity or yeah. there are lifestyle disparities because yeah. it makes them think about their own situation and they don't like it so this might be the scene we're talking about let's see your father's the district attorney temporarily plans on being attorney general well how come you didn't say anything you're supposed to be taking your medication your father says please give him his pills i haven't had a pill since i left the house I haven't wheezed once but I haven't wheezed once. So that's like a shitty piece of yeah, writing that's, that should have been X'd out. Yeah, I don't that's 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 my one issue. The, I I do um there's but there there's a great moment um like j- just talking about the sort of evolutionary approach to fame and stuff when Lloyd turns to it's 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 with the scene with Kenny with the abused kid that they intervene for mm-hmm. and and he turns to her and he's just like you're getting too famous. Oh right, and and so she's aware of like how it's it's so close to spiraling out of control. She is, um, but it, but it's okay because she's already transcended herself. Like she's yeah. she's aware of who she is as an icon. Um, it's uh it's fascinating, and something that's really neat is that like as the the haircut becomes a thing that um and it becomes more and more popular. Yeah, what it does is it turns white womanhood into this liminal space. So that it, it's made things safer for Billie Jean because every woman in, in that part of Texas is wearing it. And like there's there's the scene, you know, with the cops, like, you know, searching yeah. cars and stuff. And it's like every and the the best moment in the film, the stand up and cheer moment in the film is um is when Peter Coyote and the cops are interrogating um Ophelia and Putter. And they're just like, where is Billie Jean? And Ophelia's like everywhere. And that's like <laughs> that's a ama- that makes you just want to like stand up and throw things and like. Yeah. Like, like if wine coolers were in cans, like crush a can and triumph and <laughs> if stuff. If wine coolers were in cans. Yeah. I mean, it's like, great. it's there. We could throw your Bartles and James half a uh, bottle. Yeah, but that uh, would be dangerous. That's true. And Billie Jean believes in a lot of things, but she does not believe in like m- making dangerous glass piles. Exactly. And if you're going to steal, you're going to leave an IOU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, like, th- like she is the moral strength of this film. And like then every the other one basically is peter coyote yeah who's really the one stand-up male adult mm-hmm. in the film mm-hmm. but at the beginning he brushes off her concerns yeah and he blows it but he recognizes yeah. that he blows it mm-hmm. and does everything he can to fix it because there's a lot of cops in that position who just would have gone who don't care yeah. and who would have realized they screwed up but wouldn't care yeah because it would be much easier for him yeah to just prosecute her and go yeah. through all the thing yeah. and i love when you know he is with Pyatt at the mall. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, she's a pretty young girl, isn't she? Uh-huh. Because he knows. What happened? Yeah, what, what happened? happened? What happened there? up there? Yeah. 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 He and knows. That's, and that's the thing, is just there's there's so much to this film that, um, and it, it, it doesn't get spoken, like it's spoken of reverently when okay. people are talking about like teen movies and like 80s indie cinema. But it's like, this is, there's so much going on here and it's it's full of great lessons. It's like it doesn't it's not quite as a uh, subversive as um 
uh, Rock and Roll High School or Over the Edge, it doesn't blow up a school at the end. Yeah. But it blows up the concept of fame. And well, that's, yes. that's ultimately is subversive, I think. Right. It's not just a rich versus poor story. It's mm-hmm. about the people in protected areas of society and fame. Yeah. I was really taken with the way that they show the hollowness of the fame, even though it's complex because the fame yeah. does so much to help the cause. And yeah. fame can be good. Fame can raise awareness to stuff. Yeah. But then if someone takes it and uses it for the wrong reason, or if it, they exploit it like Pyatt does yeah. for his own financial gain and the kids are buying it because they were like, I'm part of the, yeah. what's the, not the scene, I'm part of the movement. Yeah. But yet you're just buying more shit from the guy yeah. who's actually the man. And that's that's one of the reasons why like, I wish we could see like how other kids you who weren't necessarily part of the gang, um, how they're adapting to life after this. Like, have they learned from it? Have they developed their critical skills to like be aware of how they're manipulated by things and or, what they're doing? Or is it just everything goes back to normal? Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's America. Everything always goes back to normal, just a little bit worse than the last time. Right. I mean, after there's big waves of protests and there's. Yeah. Yeah. Things that people make very uh, definitive statements on how they're going to uh-huh. change things. Yeah, but two years later, and there would be there would be like if it if it happened, there would be a BuzzFeed listicle about like like if you're interested in Billie Jean Davy, here are several other instances of like like young women who like created social movements and then like went off to do their own thing. But maybe there'd also be hot takes about how Billie Jean oh, well, is Fox overrated. News, if Fox News were around then they would have destroyed her. Not even Fox well they absolutely would but also yeah. I think on Twitter there uh-huh. would be this there's this compulsion that people have to just uh-huh. shit and rip apart everything. Shit yeah. on and rip apart everything. Not yeah. just to shit. We all have that urge probably once yeah. a day if you're regular. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think that there would be an anti- mm-hmm. Just because. Yeah. She's got principles. And that's the key. Well, that upsets people. It's never been cool to have principles in America. (laughs) I can't speak for other countries in the world because I didn't grow up there. But like... Like it, you have never been raised with the with the knowledge that no, it's cool to have a sense of right and wrong. Right, like it's no, it's something you have to like hard develop and like like you know the way that lizards do in reactions to their environment and the sun and stuff. Like you have to like thicken up your skin and your and your principles because like the world is not gonna like make any effort to like make that intrinsic to your well being. As dark as the overall view of society is in Mm -hmm. the film i love that there is the peter coyote character yeah yeah. there are the sympathetic adults and there's the sympathetic rich kids who bump into billy jean and the gang at the store Mm -hmm. and who buy who buy buy their food and groceries all of it they're like whatever you want Mm -hmm. and so that's a nice little touch too because there are good people out there who have the resources to help yeah and it might not look that way if you're in the position of billy jean yeah yeah i mean it's there's um it's uh she could be an amazing social organizer if she wanted to. Um, but it's, but it's also like when you see what happens, like, I don't, I don't blame her for just being like, I'm going to Vermont and this is, you know, I'm going to try and like put Get this away behind this. me. Yeah. yeah. And leave the legend. Yeah. Really, as it well, were. yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that's what inspires people. Well, that's the thing that actually matters. If she had taken it further, mm-hmm. what would she be advocating for? Well, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, fair is fair is a great concept, um, but it also is exactly the kind of thing that, like, a psycho fascist could use. Well, um, yeah, it could go like, either depending way. Depending on their circumstances, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I don't, um, 
I don't think Billie Jean trusts the apparatus of society any more at the end of the film than she did at the beginning. I think she just learned how to work with it and is just like, well, you know, hopefully we won't have to go through this again. And I think that's the biggest message from the whole film. Mm -hmm. You can see the world as darkly as you want Mm -hmm. or as brightly as you want. But you have to have some kind of comprehension of how it actually works, whatever that means to you. Yeah. And then to achieve your goals, you just have to figure out how to maneuver amongst that minefield. Yeah. Because there is no other way you can't change the minefield. The right. minefield's always there. Yeah. Maybe you think it has fewer minds, maybe you think it has more. But you have to figure out somewhere in between crippled with anxiety because there's minds. Yeah. And not challenging at all or doing anything. Yeah. And figuring out how to do it. And just going for it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and also a thing I love about this film, and this is very true to just the expectations of 80s teen cinema. I love how, like, after the first confrontation and chase and stuff, they like regroup to when they find Lloyd's house and it just becomes like a hangout party movie for 10 minutes. <laughs> I know. It's great. Yeah. Like everybody has a nice meal. Yeah. And like they, they, they go swimming like like. Oh, and also has, has there ever been any indictment of the, like the particular vagaries of Texas new money than a water slide that goes from your kid's bedroom window to the pool downstairs? It's pretty good. That's great. I mean, that's like that. And it's just like you see that and you're just like. Why isn't Lloyd more popular? Mm. <laughs> I wonder, could it be? Or maybe he's more selective with who he hangs out with. Yeah. Which would also speak to your theory. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I'm interested in your thoughts on this as well. Yes, please drop a line. Let us know what your thoughts are on The Legend of Billie Jean. Because uh, again, it is a very queer film. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is very queer. Mm-hmm. Talking about how you change your appearance changes your life. Mm-hmm is very queer and it's like gaga song hair yeah you know and also to like the punk ethos of making making your hair into a mohawk or whatever but or cutting your hair very short like she does in this mm-hmm. and I, the, the thing about appearance again i know i said it before but when binks is in drag yeah and then you think about what are they reacting to they see this character mm-hmm. that could be anybody but it's they think it's billy jean yeah yeah, it's um, and also like I don't know if that's the case if it's the case now, but I do know in like the late '90s and early aughts, uh, just from a friend of mine who was a bartender at a gay bar, like uh, um, people with the Billie Jean haircut, he would always give a free drink to. <laughs> so well, fair you, is fair. So yeah, that's fair right. is fair. So like, who knows? Like maybe it's just something that you should consider in your own particular hair journey. Absolutely. Well, it's certainly a cute cut. Yeah, it is. It's it's very stylish. It's and nice to see it on all the different women as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and and like you can tell the ones who like did it themselves, or like their friends did it, and the ones who like went to the high end salon to do it. And it's great. It's like it's it's a trend. It's like it's the, um, it's the only way I can process the omnipresence of the the uh, Jennifer Aniston look during the heyday <laughs> of Friends. You know, like when her hair oh, yeah. was like a massive phenomenon. Yeah. Like I just like I put all like hair crazes in terms of uh, Legend of Billie Jean. No, that makes sense. It's a good perspective to frame it in. <laughs> By the way, I would like a room that looks like Lloyd's media room. Also, well, yeah. this is bedroom, but yeah, Ed, Lloyd Lloyd's house is kind of awesome. I do have a kind of version of that because of the lighting, <laughs> the amount of video equipment. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, gee, is he queer? Who knows? Um, also, he's a voyeur because he's watching them over the video cameras. Oh yeah, yeah. 
But he's like a De Palma voyeur, yes. which makes sense because of Dress to Kill. Yes, that's right. Like it's like it's 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 like it, it has just seeped into all of his characters <laughs> that they're all uh, they're all the kid from Dress to Kill at different points in his life. He does do a lot of videoing of other people mm-hmm. in his performances. Sure do. Does he do it in Back to School? Because that would um, be the most unlikely one. But I don't. I feel like Downey is the one with the video camera. Yes, in Back to school. that's right. Also, Lloyd dresses like he's an extra on Miami Vice just to spend the weekend alone in his house. <laughs> also, also, yeah, Lloyd uses Betacam. Gay. <laughs> right. It's a superior format. There is something interesting. We don't see the dubbing decks that they use yeah. to make the copies. But when that cute little redhead kid yeah. brings the tape to Peter Coyote, it's yes. a VHS. Just want to point that out. Yeah. No, because he knows. It's, it's the like, more popular format. It is. It is. It absolutely is. I'd also like to mention Peter Coyote's hair. Always <laughs> fabulous. And we were discussing earlier whether or not Peter Coyote and Tom Skerritt ever appeared in a film together because those would be two significant hairstyles. Very much so, yeah. Occupying the same screen. It's very true. I could it's Google it, true. but why do that? <laughs> so, do you have anything else in your? Uh, uh, no, notes? I mean I've, I've I've been able to get 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 to it because it's there's there's so much to this film. There is so much to this film, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, if I think of anything that we should discuss, well, I'll call you and we can excellent. Uh, we can add do a, a piece. Supple- an appendix. Yes, we can. Because <laughs> I was also thinking that certain movie clubs, if it becomes possible to talk to the people in the film, there can always be a redux, yeah, a redone yeah. version, and. Mm-hmm. Um, extended remix yes exactly <laughs> and I will reach out to Helen Slater to see if there's a possibility yeah, oh and Keith God. Gordon Keith Gordon does a lot of podcasts yeah that least... would be amazing or Martha Gaiman because that'd I mean, be interesting like, yeah yeah. I mean everyone involved with this film that's alive is, is, is worth talking to well I do have Holly Knight's contact information although what mm-hmm. she could say about the film I don't know yeah. but maybe we could find that about about the song I mean like it was a massive hit like, massive yeah. hit yeah it was probably the most successful thing from the movie oh yeah also, back to the Pat Benatar mm-hmm. comment that it was the worst movie ever made. Uh-huh. My guess is she probably either saw it briefly, yeah, or all she saw were the grosses. Yeah, it's it's weird. I but because like like she has I embodied so much like um in, intelligent and independent uh female energy. Yeah. That like I feel like I feel like maybe the time has come for Pat to see it again and give it a chance. I don't even think she saw it to be honest with you because mm-hmm. I feel like that whole thing is uh, redolent of the that thing in the eighties where bands would do a song for a movie and then be like oh that movie sucked like they just yeah. they get grouchy about doing something that's like yeah. they think is for a corporation yeah or or but whatever. it's like that but I mean I yeah, I. Like that is that is that is an in depth discussion that I would like to have with Pat Benatar. That and also the song she did for Metropolis, because that oh um, right, because that's that's an incredible thing that um that it doesn't pop up on like the hits compilations all the time. No, it doesn't. But it's so good, and that's on Spotify now, right? The Metropolis Um, soundtrack. I think so. If not, well, there's two different versions of it. There's the the album version, which is good, um, and then the the version that's in the actual film. Is like a completely different vocal take, and oh. that's, that also it like it like pulls into her operatic training more often. That's, Interesting. So yeah, no, the the Marauder Metropolis that is a great. It's still my favorite version of Metropolis. I've never seen any version of Metropolis. Uh, I've only seen clips that were shown uh, on. Well, TV. yeah, because I mean, it's like, and you've seen Madonna's Express Yourself yes. video, and that's a large portion of it right there. Yeah, like distilled down into like four and a half minutes. So yeah, yeah. it's um, but you should you should definitely check it out. I mean, it's like the um. Like that, Giorgio has such a cinematic sense of what synthesizers can do. Yeah, and I love it. 
I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, before we wrap up, I'd just mm-hmm. like to tell everyone that this movie club and also the Under the Cherry Moon movie club were inspired by Jason's choices, which, for which I thank him very much, and were also fueled <laughs> by a large <laughs> amount of Cake Monkey. Oh, my God. Cake Monkey is everything. It's like... Like when like people are just going to be like, hey, Jason, how was Los Angeles? Like, and they're going to do the George Michael thing. Have you got a monkey on your back? And I'm like, I've got a cake monkey. Yeah. On my that, back. And that cake monkey is a pretty serious one. The cherry bomb is the is like it is not just a tribute to the runaways. It is a decadent pastry experience that is like, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's got sour cherry. It's got some kind of custard cream. Like Boston cream, I think. Yeah. And not too sweet, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's subtle. You could split one with uh, your special somebody, or if you're like me, you could devour a whole one and not feel bad about it. That's um, exactly right. Whatever way you want to attack the cake monkey. When, when, when delicious outweighs regret, that's when you know you had something delicious. Exactly. And also, those pastries were brought to us and you by you. Uh, the folks in the Patreon. So thank you because I used a large chunk of that credit that you gave me because that lasted me so long from my last birthday to almost uh, my next birthday. Thank you, Patreon people, because this is like, um, it is most appreciated. You've, Absolutely. You, you've you made my baked goods day. And you've made my day, Jason, and the many thank days you. that we've got to hang out on this Yeah, trip. this has been wonderful. I've, been, been, I've wonderful. been happy to like record stuff and like we've seen like five movies in like less than a week that's i know crazy it is we went to pink floyd the wall uh we went to play it as it lays that's right the heavy metal horror double and then under the cherry moon today An amazing assembly of films yeah. and also play it as it lays the loudest yeah. film i've ever seen in the theater yeah a piercing mono mix you can't go wrong with it no you can't well it's been lovely and um, thanks for visiting and doing the hot absolutely. dog club stuff yeah absolutely any old time fantastic well i'll take you up on that <laughs>